0: you're listening to center church podcast At center church we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do you're about to hear a message but before you do we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. there you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it secondly we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc and finally if this podcast ministered to you in any way go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future Thanks for listening in, and be blessed. Abba, I thank you for the open door. I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for the platform. And you said that in my weakness, your strength would be made perfect. And I acknowledge before you that I need you to do this. And I need you to speak through me. And I need you to give me exactly what they need. It's you that I lean on. So it doesn't matter how adequate I am or how adequate I feel. I'm leaning on you. And I thank you. You will feed your people well. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Um, I'm a springboard off of what Stephen said. Um, the Bible says many of the afflictions of the righteous. Many. I don't like that word. Many. But he says, he goes on to say, But my God delivers us out of them all. Every one of them. I was studying uh Second Timothy. And I'm studying and I had finished First Timothy and I'm heading and I'm going on. And all of a sudden I got to a couple of scriptures. And it was talking about uh Paul said, I serve God with a clear conscience. And the Holy Spirit said, Did you hear it? Did you see it? And when you know the history of Paul, how in the world, with all the mistakes Paul made, did he say, I serve God with a clear conscience? Now, you need to know a little bit of the background. In 1 Timothy, he calls him my dear son in the faith. And he says, Timothy, I hope to see you soon. That's the first letter that he wrote to Timothy. But by the time we get to 2 Timothy, he's in prison. He's in chains. All of his friends have abandoned him. Almost all of them. In fact, the Bible even says some of them are ashamed of him. And he says, my time of departure is at hand. So he's not expecting to get out of this. He understands death is probably going to be what gets me out of this cell. And I told you I I had the opportunity to be in a jail cell that he was locked in in Rome. And they would put him down in the lower dungeon where the urine and everything would come down and the rats would run around and there was no electricity. There was no heat. And it's it's circular. And what I remember when I was standing in there, because I I said, I want to go all the way down. I want to go where Paul stood. And I remember Paul wrote, I may be in chains, but the word of God is never in chains. And so he kept writing. So here he is in jail, and this is his last letter to Timothy. And what would you say to somebody that you love and you know you're not going to see them until you get on the other side? What would you say? You're going to see them again, but it's going to be a while. What would you want them to remember to be successful in life? to get through the trials, to get through the afflictions, what would you want them? What would you want them to know? So I'm reading. And so we get to the first scripture. First one. He says, I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son, may God, the father and Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience. Just as my ancestors did night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. So he wants him to be aware of the grace that God has given him through Jesus Christ. What is grace? Unmerited favor. You didn't earn it, but you got favor with God. God knows who you are. Like the song Angelites, God knows your name. He knows who you are. He says, I want you to remember you got grace. I want you to remember you have mercy. It doesn't matter if you blow it, and you will. Everybody breathing will blow it. But remember, with God, you have mercy. He says, and another thing, I want you to remember that Jesus has paid for you to be at peace. He has eternally reconciled you to the Father. God has sworn he'll never be angry with you again. You have peace. That's what I want to give you, Timothy. And he says, as for me, I thank God for you. He says, the God I serve with a clear conscience. And I'm in the bed reading. I'm usually in the bed reading. And I sat up and I said, a clear conscience. And I started thinking. I said, okay, what are some of the things that Paul did? They were huge. Go to Acts. This was when Stephen was witnessing to everybody. I believe in Jerusalem. And he was telling them about Jesus. And I love this story. The Bible says the glory of the Lord came on Stephen as he was witnessing. And they didn't like it. And they stoned him and they killed him. And do you know that's the only place in the Bible that as he was dying, the Bible says Jesus stood up on the throne to receive him. I love that. Jesus stood up. But as they were killing him, Saul was one of the witnesses, and he, he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Let me see if I have another one. Maybe I didn't give Matthew because I didn't want to overload you guys. Okay, in Acts three, it says, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. So he was on a mission. He's going everywhere trying to kill everybody. Next verse. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. And when you study it, he was trying to get permission to kill as many as he can. The Bible says that we're in the way, the way of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said, if you even want to murder somebody in your heart, you're a murderer. He said, if you even want to, you're guilty. This guy held a coat. Saul held a coat for everybody while they picked up stones and killed Stephen. But that wasn't enough. He was going from house to house, dragging men and women out of their home to make sure they were in prison. And then he goes to the high priest because he's still on a mission. He doesn't just want him in prison. He wants to kill him. And the Bible says not just kill him. He's eager to do it. And yet we find 19 verses later, he says, I serve God with a clear conscience. So how did he get from there? to clear conscience Paul in Acts 20 is telling the leaders in Ephesus goodbye <clears throat> and they we're going to get a clue as to how he was able to say I serve God and I don't remember I don't dwell on I don't focus on what I did In Acts 20, he says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. And I thought, wow, wow. You're innocent of the blood of all men, but you have to dig a little bit more. So I looked at other translations, and this is actually what he's saying. He says, I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I did not shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Now, this is powerful. Let me tell you why. How did he get to a place where he said, I serve God with a clear conscience? He doesn't focus on his mistakes. He doesn't focus on his mistakes because God is not focusing on his mistakes. He says, I am faithful. If anybody doesn't know about Jesus, it's not because I didn't tell him. I did what God told me to do. And he says, I did not shrink from declaring everything that I knew about Jesus Christ. And he doesn't focus on where he missed it. He's focusing on the reward of having been faithful to the Lord. We'll talk about it. But when you look at the book of Hebrews, all those people listed in the hall of faith blew it. And yet God... Like a family album shows you the best picture of that person and brags on And so he says, I testify to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. And he's more aware of the blood that has covered his mistakes than he is the mistake. Now, that was a mistake that he made before Christ. Do people make them after Christ? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So he makes mistakes after Christ. And the one that ministered to me a lot was when he was commissioned uh, to go out with Barnabas to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul is now saved. He's had this huge God encounter. Jesus has taught him personally out in the desert for three years. And he's hung around other believers who walked with Jesus, and he's ready now. And praise the Lord, God sends them out two by two, doesn't he? Thank you, Lord. Woe to him that is alone when he falls. He doesn't have another one to pick him up. So he sent him out two by two. And so he sends, he commissions Paul and Barnabas. And when you're studying, I'm always looking for footprints now of grace. I didn't know before. If you go to the next one. Among the prophets and the teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas and Saul. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Everything in the Bible has a purpose. And every once in a while I get out my shovel shovel and I start digging. And I thought, God put this man's name in here, Manan, and I'm not familiar with him. And God lets me know that he was a childhood companion of Herod. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, who was Herod? So glad you asked. When John the Baptist had come on the scene, he was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was publicly criticizing. I don't think I put this verse in there. He was publicly publicly criticizing uh, Herod. Herod had married his brother's sister. He was a wicked man. He was the ruler of Galilee. And he was telling everybody, this is not right what he's doing. And it didn't make him very popular with Herod. And if you follow the story, he ended up having John the Baptist's neck cut off and put on a platter. And served to his wife. That's how wicked he was. What else did he do? Well, let me read the script. I wrote it. It said he publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the rule of Galilee, from marrying Herodias, Herodias, his brother's wife. So Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many other sins. When God says, I'm keeping a record of this, buddy, you can bet on it. He added that to everything else he was doing. Who was Herod? When Jesus was being um, prepared for the cross, he was sent to Herod. And Herod, the Bible says, when Jesus came, he was anxious to, to meet Jesus because he wanted Jesus to do miracles. And the Bible says he asked him question after question after question, but Jesus didn't answer at all. And so finally, he got so frustrated with Jesus I wrote this one, too. It says, then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. And finally, they put on him a royal robe and sent him back to Pilate. Wow. He not only cut off John the Baptist's head, he began to mock and ridicule Jesus and send him back to Pilate. Whoa. And yet, and yet, this guy, was a childhood companion of Herod and I thought it's just such a picture of grace because these two guys started out together don't birds of a feather flock together they started out together they didn't end up in the same place by God's grace this guy ends up being one of the ones fasting and praying and commissions Paul to go out and preach the gospel and he ends up writing two thirds of the gospel He was the one who sent Paul out, and we're reading his words today. And we're getting free because of Paul now. And this guy who started out with Herod, a wicked man. And it's a picture of grace. It does not matter where you start, it doesn't matter. And this guy is in the company, he's in the company. Of Barnabas and Saul. And prophets and teachers. God's elite. And yet he started out with Herod. And I said Lord what a picture of grace. And he put it there so that we would know. The beginning wasn't great but he didn't end up like that. Now Paul and Barnabas are commissioned to go out. And they take somebody with them named John Mark. But the problem is there was no grace for John Mark to go. God commissioned Paul and he commissioned Barnabas. And he said, They said, The Lord is sending you two. John Mark was probably excited, he was probably being mentored, and he probably had zeal and all those good things. He was a relative of Barnabas and all he had all that going for him, except there was no grace for him to see it through. And when he gets out there, I don't know if I gave you this one. So let me um read it to you. It's in Acts 15, 38. When he gets out there, he um desert, he goes back home. He doesn't stay with him. And you don't hear a whole lot about it until he wants to come back and join them later. And Barnabas says, hey, John Mark wants to join us again. And Paul says, oh, no. And in Acts 1538, this is what happens. But Paul disagreed strongly, which means they argued. Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Now, I didn't put the word in there. It's in there. Deserted. (laughs) We don't know what happened. God doesn't give us details, but he allows the word deserted to be in there. Which means at a time when they needed him. He jumped ship. And so he wants to come back later. And God's a God of restoration, right? He's a God of restoration. Paul should know that more than anybody. (laughs) And he wants to come back and Paul says, oh, no. When I leaned on him the last time, it didn't happen. It didn't work. He cannot join us. And when you study the scriptures, they ended up splitting up. And Barnabas went with John Mark and Silas joined Paul. Did God write anybody off? No. Two men went in one direction. Two men went in another. And the gospel kept going, kept going, kept going. Now, I've taught it before, and that's actually not my lesson, how God dealt with Mark. And it's one of the most beautiful stories that I know of in the Bible. John Mark, because Paul didn't see his value, because Paul wasn't willing to give him another chance, doesn't mean that God wasn't. And what happens is, as you study the scriptures, Peter refers to him as my son, <clears throat> And then when you get in, you still, I'm still in Second Timothy. Um, I think I gave Matthew that one. He says, only Luke. Remember I told you that all of his friends just about had abandoned him. He said, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come. He's writing to Timothy. For he will be helpful to me in my ministry. This is his last letter. He's in jail. <clears throat> and who is he sending for now? Sending for Mark. Somehow from the time he said he can't go with me until Paul is in his last days, he recognized that God kept using Mark and God had a plan for Mark and God didn't give up on Mark and Mark didn't give up on Mark. And he says, would somebody tell him, bring him in my last days. I need him. And God so honored mark that he wrote one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Someone that Paul said deserted me. God said, yeah, well, I don't look at it like that. And God totally restored Mark. And he has a place in the, of honor in the Bible that even Paul doesn't have. He's one of the fourth witnesses of Jesus Christ. And I love this story of restoration. But that's the mistake that Paul made. He corrected it, but it's one that he made in the New Testament, I'm sorry, he made, before, he made after Christ. Before Christ, he was killing Christians. After Christ, he didn't want to give John Mark another chance. And yet he said, I serve God with a clear conscience. How did Paul get to that? So I'm still studying. I'm still studying. The Lord has gotten my attention. And I know he wants to show me something. Put up the next one. This is how he got to the point where he could say, I serve God with a clear conscience. He said, for God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. And once you understand, you can't earn it. He says, then you'll understand the grace that you actually got through Jesus Christ. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me. That's what Paul is saying. He chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. And he says, that's why I'm suffering here in prison But I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. There's so much in this. There's so much in this. First of all, a man who was killing Christians, God said, you know, I'm going to pick him. I'm going to pick him to show everybody that my grace is greater than the mistake. I'm going to pick him. And he picks him, and he calls him, and appoints him as a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. And here he's writing this letter now, and he's in jail. He's in jail. And when you study the scriptures, there are people going, whoa, you're going through something. What'd you do? You know, when we were came to the Lord years ago, and I believe that leaders were walking in the light they had. I'm going to try to be nice. I believe they were walking in the light they had. I was. But we would talk, and it was wrong. We would talk. If something bad happens to you, what did you do wrong? What did you do? What did you do? And we would spin our wheels and try to figure. I got to get it right. I got to get it right. I got to get it right. And if something bad happened, I would say, "Oh, God must be mad at me. I got to. I got to do more. I got to do more." And we spent so much time trying to prove to God that we were sincere. And on this side of the cross, on this side of the cross, your attacks are because you do belong to him. He said, that is why I am suffering here in prison. Because I'm a preacher. Because I'm an apostle. Because I'm a teacher of the good news. Because I'm a child of God. Because the favor of God is on me. Because I'm blood washed. He said, that's why I'm suffering. He said, but I am not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed. And the Lord said, I don't want you to be confused that when you get attacked... Paul said he serves me with a clear conscience. I need you to know the same. I need your conscience to be at peace. When you suffer, it is because we're carrying something in us so holy, the Holy Spirit. We're carrying a witness everywhere we go that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, the other side of the coin is it's like he was saying, you can expect to be attacked. There is an enemy. You might end up in chains in the bottom of the prison with rats running around and people deserting you and people mocking you. Nevertheless, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of what of where I've been hit. I understand why I've been hit. You know, I I'm, I'm read a lot of different things, and I love Jonathan Cahn's books. And uh, I was reading about Galilee because God only God's only plan after Jesus now is to restore whatever's been stolen from you, whatever's been robbed from you, wherever you suffered, because Jesus. Has paid for it. His only plan for you now is to restore what's been taken. And the beauty of that is whenever he restores something, you always get back more than what you've lost. And I was studying about Galilee. And um, why did Jesus show up in Galilee? Out of all of Israel, there's so many towns and so many places. Why was his ministry in Galilee? Well, centuries before Jesus came, Israel was in rebellion. And the Bible says that that Galilee was in deep darkness. Deep darkness. That's pretty bad to be in darkness, but deep darkness. And so when the Assyrians attacked Israel at that time, Galilee is in the north. That was one of the first places they attacked, and they just tore it down, burned it up, killed the people, Just ravaged the whole place. So it makes perfect sense that when Messiah comes. In fact, I don't know if I wrote it down. I didn't. But anyway, Isaiah prophesied. He said those, he had prophesied that Messiah was going to come to Galilee. He said those that have been in deep darkness have seen a great light. Mm. They've seen a great light. God knew that where the deepest darkness had been was where the light was going to shine the brightest. And he said, your ministry will be in Galilee. Because when Jesus comes, he comes to restore. He comes to heal. And so all those people that had been ravaged and maimed, Jesus came in Galilee and began to heal. The crippled, the blind, the lame, the leper. The ones that have been in deep darkness. Deep darkness. That's where I want to go. That's where Jesus, that's where Jesus went. So when you're walking around Galilee and you're riding around, it said, Isaiah prophesied, they've seen a great light. What's the beauty of light? I was reading, uh, I studied from Jonathan Kahn. uh. Hidden, uh, Hidden Mysteries. I forget the name of the book, but anyway, I love him. He's Jewish. He's a Jewish prophet. And he has a, a student that, that travels with him, the teacher and the student. And he told his teacher, it's called The Mystery of the Sun. He said, today we're going to take a ride, and I want you to keep a record of what happens to the sun. And he said, that's an artist, assignment." he said, just keep a record of the sun. So they're riding around and they ride through uh, a valley. They ride through the forest. They're riding all around Israel. And at the end of the day, he said, what happened to the sun? And he said, well, nothing happened to the sun. He said, well, something did. He said, there were times when we were riding through the forest and you could only see little bits and pieces of it at a time. He said, then there was a time where I rode around a mountain. You couldn't see the sun at all. He said, and then I saw when the sun got in your eyes, you put your hand up and your hand looked bigger than the sun. But it wasn't. He said, so what happened to the sun? It stayed the same. It stayed the same. But when you had your hand up, you could almost be deceived into thinking your hand was bigger than the sun. And when you rode around that mountain, you could almost be deceived into believing the sun wasn't there anymore. And when you rode through the forest, you could almost be deceived into believing you'll get a little bit of the sun, but not all. But the sun never changed. Paul said, I serve God with a clear conscience. We must make sure that we do not allow our mistakes. We do not allow our attacks. We do not allow our disappointments to deceive us into believing they're bigger than the sun. Paul said, I serve God with a clear conscience. Because at the end of the day, the only one who can live up to Messiah is Messiah himself. The only one who can live up to God's standards is God himself. And it's a deception to start out thinking you can. Last verse I think I have, Matthew. Paul is still in jail. He's writing to Timothy. He says, may the Lord show special kindness to Anisiphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. Now, looked up this guy's name. And this guy's name, I don't know. This guy's name means to bring profit and to be useful. And here he was. He was in chains. And we know that some people were ashamed of him. But he says, when I was suffering and when I was struggling and when I was going through something, this guy. And when you read it, it says, it it goes on to say, wherever I was, he would search for me and find me. He was intent on making sure that I was encouraged and I was uplifted and I had hope. He searched for me and found me out. Even though it looked like I was losing. Even though it looked like, what did you do wrong? This guy didn't treat me like that. In fact. You know, when you study Job, his friends got in trouble with God because they kicked him while he was down and came accusing him and said, surely you did something wrong. And by the end of that book, Job had to pray for them to get out of trouble with God. This guy. He said, God, I want you to remember him. And I want you to remember his family. Because when I was chained up and deserted, he visited me and he encouraged me. And he was never, never, never ashamed of what I was suffering or how I was struggling or how I was being attacked. He never, never was ashamed There's a place in the Lord we can get to, and I know God wants us to get there. And I believe it's a place that Paul achieved. He said, I serve God with a clear conscience. Jesus paid for whatever mistake I made. And if you want to know why I'm struggling today on this side of the cross, it's not because I've done anything wrong. He's paid for it. It's because I carry the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And given an opportunity, I'll tell you about it. That's why I'm in chains. Good news. Paul has such favor with God. He says, Timothy, I'm going to pray for this guy. And guess what? God will hear. And I'm going to pray for him. And I'm going to pray for his family. And even though I'm in chains, the word of God is not. Even though I'm being attacked, the word of God can still go forth. And it's a lesson to us no matter what we're going through. Is there not a cause? And if somebody's smart, they won't judge us for the attack. They'll do everything in their power to encourage us. And God will honor them. Abba, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the honor of being a witness for your son. And we won't let the attacks be bigger than you, no matter how close they seem. And your promise to us is many are the afflictions of the righteous, but, but, but our God delivers us out of them all. And you are only faithful. And we bless you this morning, and we don't make any situation bigger than you, because it will never be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte@gmail.com, at gmail.com, or just visit our website at centerscharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.